Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Oh, I am so excited today. This episode I have been wanting to do for so long, and the universe has come through. Today, my guest is Don Nickel, the creator of She Recovers, currently the largest online platform dedicated to supporting women in recovery from addiction and related life challenges. You all know I'm in recovery 29 years, and this fine lady has got 30 years. Dawn started her journey in recovery in 1987, but in the summer of 2011, while recovering from a serious case of workaholism, she decided to apply what she knew about recovery to that area of her life. And on extended leave from work, she began to blog and she recreated She Recovers Facebook page to share her journey and to reach out to other women wanting to recover their lives and the potential now has over 267,000 followers today. Dawn's youngest daughter, Taryn Strong, is also in recovery and is a trauma-informed yoga for recovery instructor and a very important part of She Recovers. Their newest and most promising development is the launch of She Recovers Coach Designation Program. Currently, they have 50 women training to be recovery coaches who will then apply to become leaders of She Recovers chapters in their local communities. So this is just expanding. It's going to be a global movement if it already isn't. Last year, in 2017, she hosted She Recovers in New York, and she had the leading voices of the recovery movement as her guests and keynote speakers. She had Marianne Williamson, ABC 2020, Elizabeth Vargas, Powerhouse, New York Times bestseller, Glennon Doyle Melton, and New York Times motivational speaker, Gabby Bernstein. And this year, She Recovers is going to be in L.A. Welcome, girl. It is so wonderful to share this time with you. You're like my soul sister. Oh, Mal, it's so cool. I mean, it's been so many years since we first connected. In fact, I I, I didn't have time because I was out feeding the seals with my granddaughter, but I wanted to come home and run into my book collection and grab your book because I know it's in my um, it's in my collection. I didn't have time to go in the other room and do that. But I mean, how many years ago was that that you sent well, me that lovely 2012, book? 2012, the book came yeah. out. And I think within that first year, you were so supportive to help mm-hmm. me and endorse the book on your side. And I bless you for that. It ended yeah. up winning five awards primarily in the recovery movement, Reader's mm-hmm. Gold, uh, Pinnacle Achievement. So I feel blessed. And now I've got book two. It's coming. It's, yeah. it's in process. Yep. I am excited, excited to, I'm always really excited to share 
the resources and, you know, the great work of all the women. She recovers from the beginning. We've always viewed it as kind of an umbrella over all of the great work that everybody is already doing. Um, you know, we don't, we're not necessarily trying to create or carve our own pathway of, you know, this is she recovers and this is how we do it. It really is about we're stronger together and, you know, collaboration is one of our guiding principles. And, um, you know, it's about promotion of what works, not promotion of self. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just always a real pleasure to connect with somebody who I feel like I've already known for years. <laughs> well, what I love about it is that I think you are encouraging women to step up and embrace recovery. Mm-hmm. They're no longer afraid to say, I'm in recovery. You know, mm-hmm. you and I know there was a stigma once upon a time. You didn't yeah. want to talk about it. You thought it might hurt you professionally, but not anymore. Everybody's becoming very open. And it's mm-hmm. your platform, the movement that you have going, that is supporting women and encouraging them to do this. Yeah, I, I think you're right in many regards. I, I certainly do think that women are be, um, being invited to and stepping up and being much more open about their recovery. Uh, I do think there's still an awful lot of stigma attached out there so that we're, you know, we haven't won the battle yet, for sure. There's certainly a lot of work to be done um, to help encourage people to keep becoming, you know, to encourage more people and women in particular to become more open about their recovery. But we're definitely getting there. I think that you know, I just all, you know, I've been saying this for years. We all know what addiction looks like. We know what it looks like in our families. We know what it looks like in our uh, communities. And in the last few years, we know what it looks like in our countries. I mean, I'm in Canada, you're in the U.S. We know what it looks like in North America. Um, so we have to work really, really hard to kind of combat the stigma of addiction. And I think the way that we do that is by um, promoting how awesome recovery is. I mean, that's just the thing. People, when I first kind of hit the wall many years ago, 30 years ago, 31 years ago now, when I was, you know, just 20, 27 years old and realizing that I had this serious, serious problem. I thought I was a failure. I didn't think that I would ever be able to kind of come out the other side of it. And more than that, I I didn't see any real life after addiction. I mean, who was I going to be without it? And, you know, how, how was I going to be with people? And how was I going to, how was I going to party without drugs and alcohol? And I, so it's just amazing, you know, like what we get to do now is show women that, oh my gosh, like we are having so much fun out here in recovery. Join us. Like it isn't the end of your world. It's the beginning of your life. And, uh, you know, people are cottoning on to that. How dark did your journey go? Do you mind me asking a little bit about the backstory? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I always say like, I don't really, I don't, I don't go back there very often anymore because right. I don't live there anymore. And then I also say, um, I don't remember. It was a really long time ago, but I can always qualify. Um, I just started really young. You know, I was 15 years old when I started really abusing a lot of chemicals uh, as well as the chemical alcohol. And so when we start using when we're so young, it really affects us, right? It, you know, it's hard to come back from that. The, brain, the, da- the damage that we do to our tender little brains when we start using in, in our tender years. Um, so I guess by the time I was 17, I was um, overdosing on drugs and alcohol. I was, I think I had, I don't know how many suicide attempts. Um, and I was just a disaster. And this is like within two years. So it didn't take very long for me to go down the rabbit hole at all. And I think from the time I was 17, the first time I was hospitalized with um, alcohol poisoning, and I remember a doctor talking to me and saying, like, you're going to die if you keep this up. And I remember just thinking about that. And kind of believing him because I felt like I'd been dying for quite a few months at that time already. 
So I always say that at that point, I kind of, that's when I knew I already had a problem at 17 and it wasn't until I was 20. So three years of like even worse, like more, you know, degradation and um, near death experiences. But when I was 20, I became pregnant with my oldest daughter, Ashley. And although that wasn't the end of my using, I mean, I didn't stop using till she was six. Uh, it definitely became the end of my trying to kill myself with drugs and alcohol. And I started on a journey of trying not to use drugs. So, um, yeah, 20 and with that pregnancy, it was all kind of, a, it became about a process of elimination. You know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, uh, I did okay. You know, I, I still ended up, I, I mean, I never had sustained periods of clean time or sobriety. Um, you know, a couple of weeks here, a couple of months there, but every time I kind of managed to string some weeks or months together, it just reinforced that I actually really did like living in the present. Uh, and then I had, I had Ashley, Ashley was born, and then I had a second daughter four years later. And again, during that time, I would become like a binge drinker or a binge user. I was using cocaine pretty heavily, pretty constantly, but not in a way that was hard to explain it, but it was just part of my day. I mean, it just gave me a little bit of zip. I could clean the house or, you know, you know, have company make a lovely dinner, then not eat it. Um, so it just, you know, it wasn't that I was sitting alone using to get ratched, I was just kind of, it was just kind of supporting my day-to-day -day life. The same was true of marijuana at that time and uh, alcohol. So it just became a different type of using. You know, it's almost like I was trying to be a social user, but I, although I wasn't using and blacking out and overdosing, I was still like dying every bit as much on the inside. So by the time I was 27, um, I had a failed marriage. It was an abusive marriage, it turned out, drug-induced um, violence. So by the time I was 27, I was just like, I was done. I'd been trying to, you know, stop living that life for 10 years. And I finally admitted that I needed help and I went to treatment. And I will say that it has, you know, it wasn't a complete stop. I, I, I haven't drank alcohol since 1987. haven't done cocaine since 1987. I smoked a lot of pot for a couple of years. And then 17 years ago for two days, I actually used um, narcotic drugs after the death of my mom for two days. But Again, it was just nobody knew that I was doing that. It's it's when I look back, I see it as right now. I say, you know, that I have twenty nine years of 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 clean and sober time, less two days. And uh, yeah, I mean, the darkness was. I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't think at the end uh, we all feel the same. Like the feelings are the same. And so at the end of my dark, I just wanted to die. And then I had these two beautiful kids, and I didn't want to die anymore, but I didn't know how to live. Yeah. Our journeys are similar. I started as a teenager. I yeah. I had no self-confidence. I was six feet tall. I weighed a hundred pounds. They called me malnutrition. Oh um, my God. I felt so worthless. That inspired me to drink just to give me some courage to feel like I could fit in. And boy, did it get its hook in me. It yeah. felt so good because I thought I was funny. I thought I was part of the crowd. I wasn't but I thought I was. And so I used alcohol uh, for 25 years Yeah. And through that whole process. I mean, heartbreak, failed relationships, self-condemnation. I mean, living a death wish. And finally, when I was 40 and I was really ready to kill myself is when it, it stopped. Yeah. You know, honestly, mm -hmm. Don, I had like a spiritual awakening. There was an mm -hmm. intervention in a, the dark night of the soul where I heard another voice that said I couldn't go. Yeah. 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 I can't yeah. go. What do you mean? I can't go. Yeah. <laughs> what have I got yeah. to look for? Right. 
that was the beginning of the past 29 years. Yeah. Beautiful. Now, I had a little different experience. I never touched alcohol again. I never, I don't know what happened. I went to AA. I embraced it. I did the steps, but I never struggled with alcohol again. It was like it almost didn't exist. And yeah. I have no idea why, but it was just taken from me. Yeah. I had the same experience after I went back to treatment for the for pot, like for marijuana. You know, I left there and I was like, okay, I'm done now. I, I don't, I don't drink, do those drugs or um, smoke pot anymore. And I, and and the cravings were lifted. I'm really grateful for that. I think, you know, you talk about being a young girl and it kind of the things that dr- led you to drinking. It's only in retrospect that I've come to understand that it was anxiety that drove me to using. I was just always anxious. I was anxious about what people thought about me, what was going to happen next, you know, whether my something was going to go wrong with my family, whether I could do this or whether I could do that. And so for many, many years, I think um, even up until about actually seven years ago this month is when I finally really dealt with my anxiety when I hit the wall with another addictive behavior, which was workaholism, because even though I'd given up the drugs, um, you know, we find other, other ways to deal, right? And I know a lot of women find love relationships or have food addictions and, and shopping addictions, all of those things, right? And, and the way that I've um, chosen and I still, you know, I still have to be really cognizant of it and I still struggle quite a bit with it is with workaholism. That's kind of, that's where my road, that's my path has taken me. Well, when we get into recovery, we may put something down, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we give up that addictive personality. Exactly. We've got to watch it. Yeah. Got yeah. To, you, know, you got to keep a pulse on that. Yeah. Because I have seen friends of mine, they got into working out. I mean, it became obsessive. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it was sugar. Mm-hmm. I wanted sugar, sweets. Um, never to the point that, you know, I gained a lot of weight or anything, but I ate a lot of sugar for many years. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm really, I, I monitor that very, very mm-hmm. closely. Mm-hmm. So we don't, you know, it's funny, we don't change that much, except our life changes dramatically when we yeah. are able to embrace recovery, but we still have a lot of the personality traits. Sure, our brains are still the same brains. We're still wired to go, you know, to pleasure seek. And we, you know, pleasure seek with things that give us adrenaline rushes or dopamine highs. And yeah, it, it, you know, those things, we don't, we don't change enough that uh, those things go away. But I think it's fun that we get to choose things that are healthier. Like I'm addicted to some, I think I'm addicted to some pretty fun things <laughs> right about now. Like Me too. You know, in thinking about this conversation today, I was reflecting on what have I really learned? The most important thing I've learned about a woman being in recovery. And what I learned was that my life wasn't gonna be perfect, even though I was in recovery. Although I thought it was for a while, uh, right up until the book came out, I thought I kind of knew everything and I had learned my lessons and everything was hunky-dory. And then the year after the book came out, I discovered the most awful betrayal in my marriage. Mm. And my marriage ended. Um, I couldn't save the marriage. I couldn't fix it. I don't want to use that word fix, but I, it couldn't be repaired to the level that I wanted to stay in it. But what I learned from this whole experience was 
although life isn't perfect, my coping skills, my toolbox that I went to, rather than a pitcher of stingers to get me through the pain, was so much better. I could cope with the pain, the disappointment, the loss, the betrayal, the heartbreak yeah. without beating the crap out of myself. Yes. It was wonderful. That is, isn't that the truth? I was reflecting on that just the other day. I had a particularly terrible, as I said to you earlier, I've been having some technical problems and I had a terrible day. I, I lost all my email, two email accounts. I couldn't make them work. I was on tech calls for four hours. And I, I mean, I, and I've been tired because I've been working a lot and there's a lot of great, wonderful things going on, but it's really busy. And I, you know, I kind of, I went to that. I'm really stressed out. I was sitting here right here crying on the phone, waiting for the solution. But I knew like with every, as much as I was upset and I was irritated and stressed, underlying all that was like, oh, you know what? Okay. So you're having a bad day. It's going to be fine. By tonight, you're going to feel fine. Tomorrow it's going to be fixed. Like just keep moving on, feel what you're feeling, go through it. I don't have to catastrophize everything anymore. And I mean, that's just obviously a broken email system isn't the end of the world. And that's what I was reflecting on the other day. But even now when things are really, you know, very, some things are, you know, serious when there's illness or, or anything like that. And in my family or in my inner circle, I can, I can react and I can kind of feel all the feelings, but there's this underlying faith that it's okay. You know what? I've gotten through a lot bigger things than these, than this. And as long as I just don't kind of go down that train of thought where I start spiraling into catastrophe, then I'm going to be okay. And I think, you know, when I share with women who I coach, because I'm a recovery coach, I don't coach very many clients these days because she recovers, keeps us busy in other areas. But, you know, if I can just help women get to that place where if they do something that they didn't want to do, you know, if they drink when they said they weren't going to drink, it's like, you just, you just have to go, okay, I did this. I you know, I went against what I'd committed to for myself, but just don't go down that. And now I'm a piece of garbage. And now I can never do that. Like, just kind of don't go down that train of thought that you can never do this. Just pick yourself up and remind yourself that I'm doing the best I can. And I know that I can do better and just keep moving forward. And it's that whole, I think that's what we get in recovery, right? Is we get enough evidence that life is wonderful. Life is good. Even when it's difficult, that when the difficulties visit, we're able to remind ourselves that we know that we can do this. We have all this evidence that life is going to be okay. We just need to hang on and ride the waves. And I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts of my recovery is that absolute knowing that no matter what, and things get rough, you know, um, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, okay. maybe not today, maybe not even tomorrow, but it's going to be okay. And, and just kind of hang on until the wave changes, until the tide turns in the other direction. I agree wholeheartedly. I think my greatest gift is having this faith, this belief in myself that mm -hmm. I can get through something, that I'll make intelligent choices, not reactive ones where somebody's pushing my buttons and then they take control of how I'm going to respond. But having this faith in myself that I honor my needs. I'm respectful of the other person, but my focus is only on what I can do and not what the other person is doing to me. Right. That has been my key. Yeah, totally. Because before it was always about what somebody else 
was right. doing to me that was causing me pain. Yeah. Now I don't look at things that way. Now I look at life. Okay, yeah. what can I do here to make myself feel better, to make a good choice yeah. that's going to impact my future in the best way? Yeah, totally. That's what recovery has taught me. Yeah, I mean, we we are free agents, right? And but but we don't have any jurisdiction over anybody else's thoughts, words, or actions. <laughs> so the sooner we figure that out, that took a long time to figure out for this little one here. I'll tell you. Oh, but it was great when I got there. Years. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a good learning. Yeah, and you know, a lot of it just came since I got hit by the cosmic two by four again. Right. You know, yeah. I thought I knew it all before, but then once I got knocked to my knees again, I got knocked mm -hmm. to my knees again, I went, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a big lesson here, girl. Mm -hmm. Don't have all the answers. There's still things you need to know and learn. And the greatest growth is always in the darkness, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind oh. of it. Yeah. Art and people say to me, how did you get through that? How did, I, I can't believe that you, like are friendly with him now or forgiven him. And you know what? Yeah. The forgiveness was for me. Mm -hmm. It was cutting the energetic cords for me so yeah. that I would stay strong for yeah. myself. Yeah. Support my own recovery and my, the quality of my life by right. not carrying anger pent up in me. That would have driven me to drink for God's sakes. Yeah. But no, I did all of that for me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was a hard time. I mean, I kind of I obviously didn't know the details of what was going on, but I knew that it was happening and, it, and, I, I, and I knew where it had started. So I, I saw that, you know, how much pain that must have brought you because there, yeah. I saw the joy. Yep. I know. And so now I tell women, my most painful experiences in this lifetime, I now recognize as my greatest teachers. Mm -hmm. And they inspired me to do something really, really, really good afterwards. Yeah, yeah, totally. Look at you now, right? So my second book is called Broken Open. That's good. the working title. And it's being broken open to find that that pain can take you to unconditional love. Right? Yeah, beautiful. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. So tell me about the new program that you've got going with She Recovers, the coaching program that you started. That sounds just, well, I'm a recovery coach as well and um, used to work with a lot of different local facilities here, but now I've gotten a little busy. So I don't, you know, go to the weekly meetings as much as I, I used to in the past, but this sounds really wonderful. Let us know a little bit more about that. What's happening? Yeah. Well, so we, we've partnered with uh, the International Association for Professional Recovery Coaches. Recovery Coach, sorry, um, Dr. Jean LaCour is the creator of that program. She's been 30 years. She's been an educator in uh, educating the addiction and recovery workforce all over the world. And she um, developed this coaching program probably about started about five years ago, I think. And, and I knew about it because after I did my recovery coach training with a different school, um, People would come to me all the time and say, I want to become a recovery coach. And, and I just kind of, I did some research because I, I hadn't done a lot of research before I did my own recovery coaching. And I, I um, what I really loved about the IAPRC program is that it's self-paced uh, and it's online. And um, I just really liked the program. And I, I, my sister was looking for a program to take. She's also 13 years in recovery. And so this is about four years, three and a half years ago or whatever. So she, um, I wanted her to kind of test the program. 
And I talked to Dr. Jean LaCour and I said, like, I want to, I want to see this program. I don't want to take it because I'm already trained, but I'll see what it's all about through my sister because I'm not going to recommend it unless I understand it and, and value it. Uh, so my sister did it. She loved it. She did great at it. I got to see the content. You know, I got to kind of follow the process. And then a few other women I knew through the She Recovers community signed up and they started taking the coaching. And um, the, it's it's certified professional recovery coach training. So there is a life coach component and then the uh, professional recovery coach component. And then you just, you, you become your own, you start your own business, your own practice. So it's different than peer recovery coaching where you might take some peer recovery training and then you might go and work for an agency as peer support, which is peer recovery coaching. But this is professional recovery coaching. You're a life coach. You just happen to be focusing on people in recovery. Um, so last year at exactly, well, last a year ago, December, I was talking with Dr. LaCour and she was telling me about some updates to the program because I was sending people her way, you know, a few here and a few there every year. And she wanted to connect with me because she wanted to tell me about some exciting updates to the program. You know, they were, they now do this, they do this beautiful family module in there that's all about working with families. They have this, uh, the neuroscience of addiction, just really beautiful content. So on the phone with her at that time in December a year ago, I just out of my mouth came, my mouth should just, I need to learn to close my mouth because I start firing off on all cylinders and out of my mouth came the words, one day I would love to talk about collaborating on a She Recovers Coach designation where women would take your training, because I don't, I'm, I'm not a trainer in recovery coaching, and then we could train them in the guiding principles of She Recovers and then we'd have women who are trained, you know, trained recovery coaches who could, um, who we could promote as She Recovers coaches. Well, that was December. And by February 16th, we'd launched the program. We now have 60 women have signed up in the last year. Uh, we have 17 graduates. So basically they go through the IAPRC coaching and then they do it. It's just a 10 hour module with us. I don't, I think you've seen these. We have like our intentions and guiding principles. There's 10 of them. So there's a unit for each one. And really all we want is for these women to really be uh, completely aligned with us philosophically. They already are, if they're going to take this course and they've been following us, you know, women who've been on our retreats or at our workshops or just following us on Facebook and our website for years. By the time most women take the training, they're already completely aligned with us. But this is just our way of being able to, you know, ensure that they do, um, it, it, that they do embrace the same philosophy of inclusive recovery um, very, you know, open, individualized pathways, all of the things that we think are essential to women being able to heal themselves. So, uh, and then we put them on our Hire Recovery Coach page, which is on our website. And we've got a lot of plans moving forward. Uh, we've started a couple of pilots. There's so much going on with She Recovers that we can only kind of do a little bit here and a little bit there. But our pilots are, we have two women, one in, one in Seattle and one here in Victoria, British Columbia, where I live. And that we're calling them our local coordinators for She Recovers. And they're holding She Recovers sharing circles in their communities. Um, and so we're, we're kind of looking to see how we can kind of bring She Recovers into the, at, into the community ground kind of level. And we've got some people working on some strategies around that. We want to be able to make our training programs more accessible through scholarships. Um, yeah, there's, there's, just like, there's a million different kind of things going on around the entire thing. But what we really love about it is I mean, our, what we're doing, we're, I, I see we're empowering women to, first of all, be their own business, have their own businesses through coach practices, which is empowering in and of itself. And we're also creating this, um, you know, a wonderful resource for women 
who, who can afford to hire a coach and, and to help them kind of settle into this new life in recovery. A lot of recovery coaching is just about assisting our clients to figure out what works for them. And so I love that we're able to kind of train these women. They're all over the U.S. Um, we have a woman in Paris, one in London, uh, two in New Zealand, one in Turks and Caicos, one in Mexico. Yeah, a lot in the U.S. and then a handful in Canada as well. So we just kind of see it as something that, uh, you know, our next within the next year, we want to launch an online program. And it will be one there where we can actually employ or contract with our coaches to do for the delivery of that online program, and then hopefully partner with um, a nonprofit who can help us um, fund women to take that program. So it really is about trying to increase access of our offerings in the next couple of years. You know, we have beautiful retreats in Bali, Mexico, here on the West Coast. We have workshops in cities across North America. We're heading to San Francisco next week. We're going to Atlanta at the end of April. Uh, we've done them in LA and Seattle. Um, but yeah, we just, you know, we're, we're working kind of on the strategy that will, will become more inclusive. We want a more inclusive community, not just for those of us who can afford a hundred dollar workshop ticket or a, you know, a $1,800 retreat. So we've got a lot, a lot of work to do, a lot going on, but it's all very exciting. And our coaches are a kind of a cornerstone piece of the strategy. On the retreats. Um, I know your daughter's very involved in that. And, um, are they primarily yoga themed uh, retreats? Yeah, our, our retreats, they're, they're primarily self-care themed retreats. So there is a yoga program morning and afternoon. And, you know, we do have women who come and they don't do the yoga. Um, most of them do. And Taryn is such a beautiful yoga teacher. I mean, she really just, and it's not just, it's not yoga in the traditional sense. Her, you know, the yoga classes are with, you know, readings and meditations and stretches and breathing exercises. And, so we always encourage women, you know, even if you just want to come and lie down on your mat and listen and breathe and, and stretch to do that. But there's no requirement that people do the yoga on retreat. Um, but, but most of them do, you know, at least at least for part of it. And then we have other women who are like, really, like, I'm not a yogi freak. Like I'm not. I love yoga, but I like I always say to turn I like you lying down yoga. <laughs> I don't like jumping around yoga. I like the lying down yoga. So we joke that. um I often do have naps and I sometimes do fall asleep and I have been known to drool and you need to be careful when you drool on a yoga mat if you stand up because you can slip right off. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, I guess I'm there to give women permission to do as much or as little as they want to as far as the yoga goes and it works really well. I, again, we're very permissive. It's just about, you know, what's working for people. Women are, are on retreat to take care of themselves and if that means they sleep in through morning yoga or go for a nap in afternoon yoga, that's what they need to do. And we encourage them every minute of the retreat to do what they need to do for them. Beautiful. Now, people want more information mm -hmm. about these retreats because mm -hmm. I think this is a really unique offering mm -hmm. you know, for women in recovery. Should, where should they go? Uh, our website is www.sherecovers.co. And there's on there, you'll find our retreats. We, we have six this year. All but, um, all but one is sold out. Um, there might, I know, and, and they, they, they sell out almost as quickly as we put them up. So what we're really trying to do is uh, there might be one spot in one of the, no, in the November retreat coming up, but, and there's a few spots in one of the May Mexico retreats. The others are sold out um, next year. We won't have, we'll, you know, we'll probably double our offerings for next year. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're really, really popular because we keep them at a pretty good price point for women as well. We, we don't want to price people right out of the opportunity. Did you ever think when you started this blog with your Mm. writing that it would become as big as it has become? Uh, No, absolutely not. You know, and it wasn't really until the last two years that we started focusing on it as a business. It was more or less just a passion project. I was doing a little bit of coaching and a lot of consulting. I'm, you know, I have a PhD in healthcare policy and I consult in mental health um, and addictions and intimate partner violence issues. Um, So yeah, no, we had no idea that it would come in. It's really, it's grown and it's, it's developed in direct response to what women have been saying they want. It's been a co-creation from the very beginning of all of the women who have engaged with us, who've supported us by coming on retreat, who've become loyal Facebook page followers. And so we're just going to keep going with the flow to be, you know, being guided by women and out and telling us what they need. Dawn, wonderful work, girl. You've really started something that is touching a lot of women, but I can tell you, we appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I, I we feel appreciated and I mean we're the ones that feel so lucky we our entire lives Taryn and my life is made up of just the most amazing women and and, you know they bring their hearts and their stories and their vulnerabilities and and they just they're teaching us they're teaching us and um, anything that we can do to help heal women heal themselves you know so that they can heal their families and and our families can heal the communities I mean it sounds like a great big you know, it, it's just, it's, it's going to take all of us. And so whatever little part that we can do, we're, we're more than grateful for the opportunity to bring what we have. Thank you so much for fitting this in. I Oh, my pleasure. I've been, I've been excited. Yeah. It's just wonderful to connect with one of my soul sisters. It's been a joy. Thank you, Mel. Oh, and this, you know, we've got to do this again. We can't let five years go by. No, no, uh, for sure. Right I'm always happy to hop on a your site and looking at your retreats. Those are right. right up my alley. I love to travel. Oh, and I have to tell you, like we have gourmet chefs. Like we have chefs. The food is healthy. It's like it's sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy on the side. Yes. Anything like the most incredible chefs, both on the West Coast and in Mexico. And well, Bali too, but we're not going back to Bali for a while. It was really far. <laughs> wow, wonderful. Thank yeah. you again. Thank you, Mel. Love you, dear. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and leave some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit MalduaneCoach.com for your free Heal Your Heart, Reclaim Your Worth six-week video course.